0: Hey, Ira. All I'm right. That's working for me. Uh, yeah, you sound good. All right. Welcome, everyone, to our uh, – I don't even know what season we're calling this anymore now. It's our second or third post-managers meeting pre-next season podcast. We're just having fun here. We're, we're kind of in, in limbo with the fantasy season, but there will, be, there will be basketball again, and there will be a season next year, and we're just having fun for now. With the NBA playoffs going on. What's up, Ira? Yeah, whenever next season's gonna be. Uh just checking my uh
1: the feed here. And it looks like uh the Big Boy Years Top podcast has not dropped a pod since July 29th. Uh, so it's been a long time coming here. And before that, we were talking about April sixteenth. And I mean I don't are we even a fantasy podcast anymore, Paul. And I don't know what I don't know what you call this uh, whatever we have here nowadays and Who knows what an actual regular season of basketball is gonna be back with us? I think we're
0: scary times. I think we're a chart podcast. Um with a side (laughs) of some basketball and some popular culture. That's that's where I think we fall out here now. But the people coming to it. I think people are enjoying it. So let's give more what they want today. Or like what I don't know they want like what they what they'll begrudgingly listen to when they have nothing better to do with it. yeah, well, when you're stuck in a
1: pandemic and, you know, you have to kill 24 hours a day in your apartment, you know, eh, there's a lot worse things out there. This is free content, so take what you can get. It. Much cheaper than buying the Mulan for $30, bucks. i will say that much.
0: Yes, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Uh, should we start with, with today's uh, chart idea? And, and if so, you can oh. go ahead and introduce that because it's, uh, I think, your brainchild today. Uh
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like many of us, uh, you know, my head's uh, – unfortunately, stuck in the uh, political uh, fuck show that we have na- in this country nowadays. Um, and, you know, just thinking about, obviously, our East Brunswick High School group has been uh, taken off, basically all thanks to uh, people listening to this podcast efforts. Uh, not really my own, um, but, you know, we have, we have a person from East Brunswick to uh, take down in the New Hampshire primary, or the New Hampshire election uh, when November 3rd comes around. And I thought, uh, a great opportunity to break down our uh, political chops is to uh, you know, chart out how each of the managers and uh, these friends of the big boy years would stack up against Mowers. Uh, so I think we still need to review the rules here of uh, the contest, but uh, yeah, an exciting new,
0: new ranking for all of us, I think. All right. Uh, so how do you want to go about this? Do you want to just kind of go back and forth with who we, you know, order operations, who we the top dog to go against Mowers would be? Uh, I, do you do any, background on the New Hampshire's first district where Mowers is running, or are we just kind of going to this as a, a general middle-of-the-road district that that we do know that is often a toss-up and, and has gone back and forth between Republicans and Democrats over the last few decades? Uh, how, how do you want to look at this? Uh,
1: so, I, mean, I try to do a little bit of homework. It is uh, definitely a very, a very swingy uh, district in the country. I think it's been like four times it's changed hands, uh, like in the last like 10 15 years, so uh, it could definitely flip back and forth easily. Um, and I think Mowers and like the other Republican contender for another district in the area, like are new bloods to the region, not even like uh, you know, traditional New Hampshireans. I think it's what is it, like the ground, the Gopher, State, uh, right? Granite, yeah, Granite, State. so uh, the Granite State, oh,
0: excuse uh, me, and, uh, really, um pretty terrible that i have to know that now but it is what it is (laughs) yeah so i mean i'm trying to just get a feel
1: for the land and i mean i think it's still leading democratic uh that tends to be where it lands but uh i I think the election's up for grabs it seems like and you know i mean mowers basically came from nowhere to take the republican primary uh you know got the trump endorsement and that kind of sets up the field here i mean so but we should just clarify the rules i mean are we uh so are we presumably the Democratic uh, candidate in this scenario? We're trying to run for the the uh, main voters, or the this, New Hampshire this really, voters. This really and, uh... makes
0: us like the Democratic Party leadership, where we have to decide whether we want the best candidate or whether we want the one that we think, based on some bizarre thing, is the most electable. Ira, and and I think uh, electability right? very important. Very and maybe important. maybe we could, as we go through this, we could kind of sprinkle in. You know, we can kind of choose our candidate and say, are we choosing them because we think they'd be the best candidate to beat him and for what reason? So maybe let's go Let's go with it that way. Um, I can okay. start us off, I guess. I, I, I thought a little bit about this throughout the day. All right. are, we going, are we going from
1: the top or are we just going to throw names
0: out there and kind of
1: evaluate their, uh, their stature? Well,
0: I'll,
1: sure I'll throw out a name did. that I
0: think would be one of the top contenders and we can go from there we'll see how it plays out. I'm going to go with Levy. Because as we've, wow. as we've learned from, exactly. from recent elections, uh, we, we tend to find that not, you know, you can choose a more liberal candidate like myself, Duran, but I think what we've learned is that the, the Democratic leadership really thinks in these toss-up districts is that you don't win by appealing to the base. You appeal by getting someone who's basically a Republican but is wrong as a Democrat. And, and I think maybe <laughs> is going to fit that mold uh, in a lot of respects, I also think that if anyone is gonna counter the rhetoric of Mowers, it's someone equally with with rhetoric and you know using scummy loopholes I, I think Levy could get down in the weeds with him uh, and and be enough of the uh, not every man, but enough of en- enough of the 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 man's man bullshitter that that Mauers it t- pretends to be. I think Levy could pretend just as hard and kind of counter that charm that Mowers has taken with these these. Trumpy supporter types, so that's my that's my thought. Electability, Mr. Levy.
1: Interesting. So, so, so you see Levy kind of undercutting uh, Maurer's base, or maybe uh, grabbing those swing voters that are uh, maybe lead a little more Republican or appalled by uh, Maurer's lack of real New Hampshire credentials, the association yep. with Trump. And you know, they just want it's more of a traditional like uh, out for himself. Uh, doesn't really have any interest in improving the society, but you know, we'll protect what they have, sort of politicians. Yeah. I also say I feel like uh this this whole COVID situation and like where everything's happening online, you know, there's not really a lot of in-person interaction. that does seem like it plays to Levy's strong suit. Like I don't like I'm not picturing Zach Levy uh, delivering, you know, giant campaign speeches after Donald Trump's of the world, you know. He's uh Think definitely maybe some like quick hitter like social media takes uh interplay cat videos to keep the crowd satisfied and focused um you know it's more about the feeling right rather than the, what the candidates
0: actually saying in these you can totally see him going like a video of him giggling over a cat video going viral for like two weeks and just like gaining the love of, of like a, a niche group of supporters you know like that i could totally see that happening yeah it's interesting i mean
1: it's I mean, is is Todd Levy associated with this campaign? I, mean, I feel like I feel like that's definitely like one of the skeletons that's getting pulled out of the closet. Right, I mean the guy's got some some very dark history when it comes to uh, you know youth recreational. Well, sports. he's the
0: counterweight to the Chris Christie in in this whole thing. You know, we got, we says his guy pulling the strings in New Jersey, and Levy will have his as well. So, uh, and look, you know, political families are a very big thing in the, in this whole uh, in our current world. So I think the the Levy political you know, fast break crime family is going to, is going to work out here. It's I, I guess, I, I, guess it's, uh, you know, I, I guess it's a,
1: you know, I guess the sign of a good politician, right? Would he get away with a, uh, with a corrupt act? You know, that's, that's the kind of leaders we want nowadays. Uh, you know, they know how to win no matter what the rules are broken in the, in the that's right. Who, give me some of that. I'd like to match them up. Yeah. I'd like to discuss some other candidates. I'm not sure that Levy is, Maybe he has some dark horse potential, but I'm I'm not convinced that he's really going to be the one to uh step into the political fray. Um but let's let's stick let's stick with our theme here. I think I feel like we're talking about people who usually don't perform so well on these lists. So uh let's pull out somebody maybe equally bomb- bombastic like a Corey Hirsch and put him on the uh the podium. And I think Corey could definitely uh deliver, you know, like a, a salt of the earth message. Um, I think he's the kind of guy, you know, you want to have a beer with voters t- tend to, uh, you know, find some, uh, good qualities with that kind of familiarity, that warmth, somebody who can like talk on their level, uh, you know, And at the same time. I think, you know, Corey can, uh, speak some like Frank truths and people respect that kind of a matter of fact kind of conversation. So, uh,
0: yeah, interesting contender here. I don't think so personally, oh. I- I, when was the last time you saw a ginger win a political race, Ira? <laughs> uh, I maybe gingers are just smart people not to enter
1: politics in the first place. You
0: know, I think uh, I think looks are very important in politics. You know, I think I think I think the ginger thing just. knocks him wow. back. A, a... Wow. I, I
1: I know racism is on the rise, Paul, but uh, to to say now that the the redhead hatred
0: is also uh, surging in this country really just as a. Uh, we're never heart. gonna find a redhead, uh, redhead Lives Matter movement going. Right? So, you know, it'll fizzle out quickly. <laughs> There'll be no national support for that. Um, but I think, I think in that similar, if we're, if we're going down the Frostwoods Woods here area, I think Dan Corden has to be in strong consideration here. He's a man of the world, which the Democrats are gonna like. He's tall, right? He could look the part. He has uh, background. His his mom definitely helped organize the East Brunswick Democrats, so he has that background going for. Him. But mm-hmm. But good he's point, a businessman. If we know anything about Dan, he's all about work ethic. And, um, and I think it'll come across to supporters that this is someone who's achieved something in business. He can create jobs in New Hampshire and kind of build towards the economic relief from COVID in New Hampshire's first district. I think Dan Corden makes a great candidate for that position. And I think as someone who was kind of closer in childhood with Mowers, he would know how to combat him best. Additionally, I think his, he would not be such a heavy rhetoric guy. He's kind of straight-shooting, speaking the facts, and it doesn't sound contrived at all, and it'll come out of his mouth. So I, I, I think Dan Corden may be my top candidate here.
1: Uh, Dan's definitely like a tender. I mean, I think his, his campaign might be maybe, like, the most, one of the more professional, I think, apparatuses that we would see out there. Um, he would definitely look the part. Um, I think, yes, an economic message would probably be the Dan Corden direction here. Um, You know, I think he would appeal to, you know, we had a a hard work way of life in this country and that's, you know, being taken away from us with the broken system. And, you know, we need to fight to get that back. And I think Dan could drive that point home. Uh, It's, it's interesting. I mean, I do notice by the way that I don't know if you ever looked at him, but the, like the the guy currently in the seat, the Democrat was like Chris Pappas or whatever. Yeah. Uh, looks a lot like Brad Corden to me, uh, which is just a uh, a fun fact. I saw, saw some uh, some Corden jeans there in the look. Um, yeah, I think they will be strong. I'd be curious what kind of like viral videos could be out there in the Dan Corden archive. Um, you know, he's the, the the guy has a wild side to him. I, you know, I mean, I think like you know, grease trucks video could come across very well to the voters. But uh, you know, there's been you know, I don't know, dicks might have gone whooped around and, and street posts and stuff, you know, that kind of thing uh, would not help a campaign so much. I, I'm not really convinced that all news is good news despite
0: Trump's success Now, I think the man has handled his business. I think, like, even going back to his fraternity election days, he could have been president, but he ran for vice president, knowing that anything that, like, really, if shit hit the fan, he would not be liable if he was vice president, but he would as president. I think that man has his bases covered, and there will be like, there won't be enough skeletons in the closet uh, to pull out on him. But that is, that is a good thought. That is a good thought. Who else? Yeah. And do you see – uh, I feel like uh, I feel
1: like Bernicus like, like would make some noise if uh, Dan Corda was running for uh, an election seat. I just feel like she
0: would make waves out there. And I'd be interested to see what kind of influence she had on the, uh, the political trends in the district. I mean, she hasn't really – I thought she'd be more involved in the, the anti-Mowers crusade, but she's really kind of fizzled there. Uh, only really looking for her own purposes in this whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think she'd have much to say. Wh- who else do you want to talk about, if anybody? All right, all right.
1: Uh, let's hit. Well, I think my boy, I mean, the campaign of uh, integrity, I think, is most likely coming from our league commissioner, right? Uh, Garrett uh, Clutch Hoffman. Uh, I think, yeah, but, yeah, like I said, I think maybe the most. Uh, well, it'd be interesting to see how Garrett operated this environment. Somebody who I think is very uh, patient and tries to see the good in people by his, uh, you know, his usual nature. But, uh, you know, it would be a, I don't know, what do you, what do you call a, a first lady in a congressional district? I don't know what Laura's uh, feelings would be. She I feel like she'd want to run a scorched earth policy uh, running alongside Garrett.
0: So uh, it'd be interesting to see what kind of campaign came out of that. Interesting. Um, I think Garrett would have good policy ideas he'd be he'd be like he'd be great in policy i don't see him as the lead candidate just because i i don't think he's going to get down in the dirt and play the political game which i think is necessary against me i think he's gonna play that dirty political game um so but garrett does have the advantage of you know he he actually did live in massachusetts which is more than <laughs> new Hampshire. so he has like the new england vibes going in, in that regard um so that would be an advantage for garrett there it's,
1: it's funny, I've been looking at uh, Mauer's, like, they I was looking at, like, his, like, campaign page, or, like, where he's, like, what he's telling to news outlets when they're trying to give, like, little bios of him. And, like, they basically, like, wipe out all of his Christie connections. It's like, he was part of Trump's New Hampshire campaign back in 2016, <laughs> and then joined the White House. And, like, the guy spent, like, a year in New Hampshire as Christie's political well, director. Yeah, just, only, he only
0: flip-flopped know. after Chris Christie withdrew from the race, but, you know, we don't talk about that, so...
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I said every Republican who denounced Trump, you know, until, you know, they got their ass whooping and came crawling back. Um, all right. All right. I, I do agree with you that in today's political climate, one does have to be a little more cut through. I mean, you you just,
0: a, I don't know, just, you know, the whole the, thing, like there's there's whenever we see certain people in society, we're like, Oh, that person would would make a great, you know, X, Y or Z, but they would never get into the political arena because like. They don't have the stomach for the actual politics. We know from our being experience that Garrett does not have the stomach for actual politics. You the door? Hi, Leanna. I'm Paul. Paul says hi. No, we didn't. I'd uh, like you to leave now. Leanna doesn't
1: believe Paul said hi now. Yeah. I'm about to get things in our room. Come on. Do you know what you want to do. Anyway, all right. What's uh, the strong contenders out there in the electoral arena? Um, I'm taking. Well, I think Duran would do. He's an interesting uh, option,
0: I think. Well, I believe he lost to him in middle school in eighth grade election. <laughs> um, Joe Biden I, lost a lot of I, elections. I think Duran's points on a lot of things. I'd be concerned that he'd be too emotional uh, running against Maurs. He does get very stirred up by Maurs' rhetoric, and I'm, I would hope he'd keep a level head. If he's able to do that, I think it would work. Really strongly, oh, Iris, giving Leanna some some eyes right now. Like, why are you bothering our podcast? It's very funny. Uh, well, just the audio is getting ruined. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess it depends to me. If Duran has good advisors who can keep his emotions in check, I think he'd be a strong candidate. Um, you know, yeah, I, I do think that'd be good. Um, I think he would bring out the more liberal voting in New Hampshire, which would be which would be good. So he'd actually maybe grow the base a little bit. And, but definitely would not pander to anyone that, that considers themselves like a down the road person. There,
1: yeah, I
0: think I, I, a
1: very likable guy, so I feel like in that regard, like you know, I like he'll be great. Like, I mean, Corona maybe knocks right. him down a little bit, but he'd be great just doing like the handshaking, kissing babies. Like, you'd love to like bring Duran home to your mother, kind of atmosphere, you know? He's I, I the that's definitely he's the
0: opposite of Levy's candidacy, basically in every regard. <laughs> yeah so So, uh, so, so you're basically if you if you you, i will say if you want to pick your strategy as like a a polar opposite of the ends those are those are kind of your two guys there probably yeah okay all right well all right so all right let's do
1: all right let's go john stein here i guess naturally he's gonna be like our like mark zuckerberg
0: of the race where uh,
1: you know he's gonna i don't know He's going to try going on, like, a Goodwill tour with the public, but...
0: Well, I mean, here's the thing, Our John John's a Republican, so I don't know if he's running against ours. Has <laughs> that been confirmed? Is John Stein a registered Republican? I, I feel like John's too lazy to register. He, but, uh, he has told me he is registered to vote now for, for this election. He's going to vote, which is a new step. Uh, he may be anti-Trump, but he... I mean, he, he definitely believes, believes in a lot of Republican values, I think. So... Uh, so I, I'm personally willing to gloss out, skip over this candidate. Oof. Okay. okay. All right. Give uh, me one more. We, I hope we you spent don't spend like 15 minutes on this. Give me one more candidate. Now let's move. We have, we have a lot to talk about tonight. So give me one more that you want to talk about. Okay. Uh.
1: Well, I, I mean I think you have to go for the minority candidate here. I mean, mm. obvi- And I think you know, Tremere Nath is uh You know, I Tremere has a way about him. You know, it 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 doesn't matter how uh like how wasted or you know. <laughs> How, uh, like, how many texts he might not respond to? Like, people love being with Shabir. There's just something about the guy.
0: He has a, he has like this charisma that you can't put your finger on. But I think people would eat it up. So if you're, if you're his I, campaign manager, how would you draw this out of him to to kind of get that publicly going?
1: <laughs> it's a good point. I, well, we're probably spending like there's probably like two two campaign nights a week are probably going to be like drunk Shabir in action right where uh, he's gonna be really rubbing elbows with people and i think that's gonna be an important aspect like i feel like they, they could kind of like a cold mentality right like it's it's sort of similar to what's happening with trump but it'd be a little more obviously a lot more like pure spirited and like actually doing good i think he's i think he could speak to like look we all don't want to put up with this shit 24 7 and like you know these other candidates are going to say i'm not hard working enough but like Look! Look how bad they are. Look how bad politics are nowadays. Is my like, is my personal focus really that bad for you? Like, is is that not what you want in a politician? I'm taking care of shit. You don't. You don't need me to talk to you five days a week.
0: Yeah, it's,
1: it's there's something to that.
0: And I don't know. Uh, yeah, he connects to every kind of television show that these people watch. go. Oh, what's not to like? I, I can see it. I think the 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 approach you got to go is like, you said, all right, Trivier, once a week. You're doing uh, a karaoke fundraiser. We're gonna take the videos, put them online, and like, we're gonna get you drunk before people get there. We're gonna get you in a real good mood, and then like, we'll have someone ask you a question, and then you're gonna go on one of your drunk rants <laughs> about like, how and about how stupid you know X Y Z is. And I think I think that's the, the key to lock into Trevere, get them going viral, and you know, boot up with the crowd. And do, do our old, do those old, uh, you know.
1: Little Crumbs Productions. Do those come out helping his campaign, or are those, <laughs> those uh, no, be hit pieces? I think. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna get ugly. I don't know.
0: Uh, it's good you have those hanging over him throughout the process, right? <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, all right. Well, what, what what next? Ira, you have a you have a large rundown here. What what next is piquing your interest?
1: Uh right, should we should we, should we pump into this little basketball chatter? I mean, I don't know. I've, I want to, I felt like we had to have several topics on hand, just because I didn't know how things were going to roll. I mean, it's well, we'll get into your new phase and like, oh well, don't worry, we'll give you that plenty of time. I'd like you to drink the wine a little more before we get there. I think I've seen one glass on the on the recording thus far. Uh, I, I have one. With, Let, let's you know. I have one with dinner also, so I'm I'm good. Yeah. Okay. All right. spin on the big boy pants. All right. So, I uh, have you how, have you been watching the bubble action? How's your uh the playoff basketball thus far? Uh how you see the fantasy implications of everything happening?
0: Uh give it to us. Uh I'm pretty happy going forward that Jokic looks like a top 5 player in the NBA. Uh so that's pretty good. Um I watch like here and there. I haven't watched everything obviously. Um I'm trying to get some sleep in. But I think the Nuggets look really good. I think the Heat look really good. Um, The Lakers are horribly boring to watch. Um, I'm glad the Clippers lost for the same thing. Uh, The East is just weak. I I can't believe Giannis couldn't pull that out. It doesn't matter how much game planning goes on and all that, but it's just strange to me.
1: I think – yeah, I think it's I don't watch I haven't watched enough of the Heat Bucks or I didn't really watch much of the Heat Bucks series. I miss the Heat a lot in general, but I feel like I like just know how they play already just by not even watching them so often. They're just like the most yeah, they're just the most well-oiled machine out there out of all these teams. Um, the Clippers, yeah, were I don't know baffling. I, I hope Kawhi was hurt or something. I mean, I guess I kind of feel like it, Well, he finally got some justice for everything he did to the Spurs, you know, <laughs> during his. Uh, Unceremonious exit as you sitting out all season.
0: I mean, wait, but, he won uh, them one or two finals.
1: <laughs> he got the he got the one cha- well, one championship. I mean, you know, he was. I would have liked to have played that series after the Warriors uh, three or four years back, three years. Well, he, got, back he got hurt before Zaza. You know, ankled his ass to the ground. That was a travesty. Still, but uh, no, I mean, I don't know. The Clippers, like, th- I mean. It's not even like the defense was that bad for them, but like that should be their best feature, I think. And I don't—I mean, I think the offense is really what failed them as a team. I mean, I watched them and like, their good offense is like, they swing the ball four times and like they get a good look at the hoop, but like they don't have a good
0: system in place. Like those guys aren't like, they're not natural creators for an offense. It's yeah, just- I think in the regular season they took advantage of a lot of teams by you know their their first unit was, was very good and then. Williams and Montres Harold how would come off the bench and destroy second units, but given the two of them both missed a lot of time in the bubble, having to go home for personal reasons, and then in the uh, can, not, can, can, I, can I, can I, as you touch on the personal reasons, because I,
1: I haven't looked into it, but Montres Harris had to go home for what, like a month because his grandparent passed away? I don't understand, just that. Uh, uh, an inconsiderate side note, but I'd like, I'd like further explanation as to why he needed to leave the bubble for so long. Well, we,
0: we never really, that we, we never really know what goes on. Look, I'm so confused about how Austin rivers had to go home for personal reasons and his father did not go home for personal reasons. Uh, that's a different tangent, I guess. Um, but look, when those two guys are part of that tandem, they, they come back at different times. They never get in a rhythm and in the playoffs, you're not taking advantage of second units the same way you do in the regular season, because but let's be honest, mo- most guys are playing their rotations higher minutes. So it's not the same. Um, your first unit needs to perform. And the Clippers never had that chemistry throughout the season. That's what happens when your stars, you know, decide to play every other game and, and not all together. Uh, and the Nuggets, you know, their top two guys were very much in sync. So, um, look, I I think the Nuggets like, – They're playing well right now. Uh, Imagine they like Will Barton is so much better to me than any of the third options they've had healthy currently in the playoffs. So this is a team to look forward to uh, in the future. Uh, What do you do with Michael Porter Jr.? Another debate since the guy won't play any defense. But uh, and and in my opinion, talking to the media too much already. But uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, young guy, young guys like to complain a little bit. I mean. I don't know. I
1: think at the end of the day, if he's if he's producing, he's got the talent. You know, that they'll put up with that shit because uh, you know they need the, they need a good bodies right now. And I mean, the guy, guy sort of score the basketball, and uh, you know, defense can be hard. It's probably easier to learn in basketball for a youngster than uh,
0: offense is good to be. What do you so? Uh, what do you make of the Giannis situation? Because when you really think about it, he's one of the few kind of remaining stars that's not really in like a two or three star system for the moment, um, and that really adds to him putting up monster numbers across the categories. Um, I think he was just traded to Levy's team this year by Andrew. Uh, do you think Giannis is really going to force his way out? I know people made a big deal of him you know, unfollowing everyone on Instagram and Twitter and all that, but do, do you see... Yeah, I missed that. What did he unfollow? He unfollowed all of his teammates. He now follows like six people on Twitter or something. Like that, or on Instagram. Um, didn't really get much of an explanation for it, but... Uh, yeah, do, do you think he's either forcing his way out this year or planning on not re-signing when he's a free agent next summer? Uh, I mean, I feel like what I read from the
1: insiders is that, like, Giannis is a bit of a, a different cat than, like, a lot of these guys. I mean, I, I find they kind of... It's hard to say. I don't know. I, mean, I, feel like I feel like people are undercutting Chris Middleton, who we, we discussed a little bit, like, in our side text thread. I mean... That guy's a legitimate, I think, scoring guy. Op- He's a legitimate, like, second star on the team, I think. Um, and maybe we can wonder if – I mean, I think obviously the coach is a, definitely has some issues there. I mean, Budenhoser's got to be willing to change his system up. I mean, it's something that the Raptors tried doing in the past also, I think, over the years when they were struggling with uh, Kyle Larry and DeMar DeRozan, um, trying to get them to involve their teammates more, stretching the floor more. I mean, when it comes to the Bucks, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't blame the player Malcolm Brown to go. Like, that guy has, like, serious – I think it's like, ankle issues. I mean, that's why he went so late in the draft. Um, I think those injuries could come back. And, like, I don't know. People say, like, they're going to be, like, hard-capped anyway, so they might as well have spent the money. But, like, I don't know. Like, as we've seen, like, with these stars, like, you can force to make a deal if a star wants to come to your team. Like, you'll find a way with the picks and the assets to – and if the star refuses to play, then the team will trade them. That's just kind of how it works in the NBA nowadays. Um, so, I don't know. Like, I, mean, I think people forget, like, the Bucks last year nearly beat the Raptors. Like, they almost won game three. If they won game three, they're probably taking that series. Nobody's ever come back from 3-0. So, I mean, look, I think Giannis could make his life easier leaving and joining another top ten player who, I mean, I don't really know who's available to do that with, but, you know, I don't know if he wants to whatever, go to the Suns, go to the Celtics, I don't know, go to, I don't know, go to the Heat, go to the whoever. I think mean, if he wants to, he can do that, but, like, the Bucks, I think, are a good opportunity for him. Like, he's won back-to-back MVPs. Like, I don't know. It's more out of frustration to leave
0: I, I would because he has no options. I would agree, and I think the Bucks also have a, a kind of a roster flexibility, I think, where they can move guys if they need to, uh, based on, like, how the structures are. Eric is kind of a tough... Move there, but I don't think he's unsalvageable. Um, but he's also like an all-defensive NBA player, so yeah, like he
1: can't he yeah. can't come that
0: bad. Exactly, and and I think look, Button Buttonholzer may prove in time that he's one of these coaches that gets you from A to B, but maybe not from B to C, with C being the championship. A lot of guys are like that. Holzer gets you there faster because of the style of his system, um, and look, also as we're seeing systems that work in the regular season do not always convert to the playoffs. Sometimes you need to modify for the playoffs and have a coach that has the flexibility to be able to adapt to that. And I think that's what it's going to be for Buddenholzer. And if he can't adapt, they're going to find a coach that could keep somewhat of that system in for the regular season. But then when, when playoffs come make the modifications, be able to make the tough decisions on personnel and minutes and all that to kind of bring them to the next level. I was a,
1: uh, I was reading your article. I, because, yeah, like, I mean, like everyone else, like, like every commentator says, you know, oh, you got you to be flexible. Coaches got to change up in the playoffs. Like you can't just keep watching, you know, the same thing not work. Which, like, to me just made perfect sense. But, like, I was reading the an article and, like, the big point was, like, you know, Butterholzers like a Popovich disciple. And, like, you know, the reason why these coaches stick with their systems is because of the, basically the players' egos and how difficult it is when you make a change to get that trust back from a player that you're – kind of wrong in the process and like if a team sees you quitting on a system that's worked for so long they lose a lot of confidence when you make that kind of maneuver which didn't convince me fully that like you know but it also shouldn't do anything but like makes it a little more irrational at least why like it's not easy to pull a plug on Bletso or to pull the plug on I don't know like uh, uh DeVincenzo or whoever else you want to pick out of the
0: rotation because oh. like these the only players that you're gonna need this is why every year come normally June we're talking about these teams with great cultures winning the championship because, and look, it's much easier to talk about culture after you've won the championship, right? It's much easier for uh, like David West to sacrifice his minutes in the championship when he's won the championship, right? It's, it's a lot harder for a player uh, that, that's been getting time to reduce their minutes and then they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I think you have to, as a coach, have the courage to do the things you need to do to win. That's how you develop these cultures. That's why Spolstra, you know, can, can make the changes he needs to make. Popovich has been able to do that throughout the years and, and guys know that, Hey, this person has the championship medal. Uh, we need to trust that those, those sacrifices are for the better of the team. Uh, and, and look at some point as a coach, you gotta be the guy to be able to do that in Toronto. For example, you mentioned Toronto before, uh, Dwayne Casey was never able to get to that level. He never really changed things up and he lost his job because of it. Uh, had he taken more risks in the playoffs, maybe that team would have elevated even, you know, in the pre-Kawhi days. So if you don't take these chances, you want to being in the same spot three, four years in a row and eventually losing your job.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, the results speak for themselves at the end of the day. You know, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, look at the, uh, I don't know, the Nuggets are like the opposite of that spectrum where it seems like they kind of just stuck with the same bread and butter. And, uh, I don't know, Jamal Murray's
0: taking a week. Look at at them now. Much work. Look at them now. Their bread and butter is the same, but they on the margins, are always changing things. Gary Harris got increased minutes as the playoffs went along. People didn't really complain. P.J. Dozier got out of nowhere like 12 minutes in the fourth quarter last game and was getting the toughest defensive assignments. So that's a team. They have a lot of players. They kind of had to trust the coach. And, and look, people – look, any player who gets to this level – Is going to be competitive and going to be upset that they're not getting the minutes that, you know, in those big spots, but a great team, you work harder and you, you prove to your coach that you can play in those spots, uh, no matter what the matchup is. So that's just how it is. Let's, let's pivot a little bit here. We're going to keep it in basketball, but we're going to do a little game that we had discussed on some side chats. We were doing this thing where we'd mention a player and discuss what their basketball reference hall of fame probability is. Now I can't tell you how they calculate this, but I guess it's based on, you know, career numbers, various, you know, all star appearances, all nba appearances. Yeah. A lot of it's like I think they, I think they use like the metrics of who's already in there. Like, exactly. I think I saw that uh I think it was
1: like the taller you are, like you get like a little boost in the system for being taller apparently. As in,
0: I guess like the old NBA. Right. Had like a, you know. I got five guys here. Um they're all from like our era, so it shouldn't be too tough to kind of know what's going on. I'll get you get you any stats you need. Um Let's start with a guy that we know, I think we know his career pretty well. Started off for many years at the Phoenix Suns, came over to the Knicks uh, before kind of leaving. Now, <laughs> I'm going to share some things on here that are not related to their Hall of Fame probability. Uh, the nicknames on best reference are really pretty cool a lot of the times. So have you ever heard Amari Sadamari refer to this, the following? I, I think the first one you have and the other two you're like, what is this? Stat- Stat with you, okay. Yeah, standing tall and talented. We all know that one, and then his other two are <laughs> the Little Tyrant and Little Lord, which huh. sound like Game of Thrones. Think means he gave himself the Little Tyrant. I realize he could be a little, uh,
1: be a little ruffle around the feathers a little bit with him or kind of cold shoulder you, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Yeah. I guess he, did, he was the one that smashed a fire hydrant, right? I think after uh, losing to the heat.
0: What was that? Say it again.
1: He, he like I think he like shattered a fire like extinguisher's glass case or something.
0: Yes, in in the hallway after uh after like a game five against the Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As in like Jeremy Lin couldn't break the uh the press. I'm pretty sure. Oh, same season. Yeah, that sounds about right. Amari in eight seasons with Phoenix averaged twenty one point four points a game, uh, eight point nine rebounds, uh, one point four steals, two point six blocks. Is that right? No, sorry, one point four blocks and a steal Uh, shot 54% from the field. Wasn't shooting threes yet. Um, Pretty good numbers with the Knicks in his five seasons. There averaged uh, 17.3, 6.7 boards uh, a block was shooting 32% from three, 52% from the field. Uh, He's a one, two, three. Or yeah, I think a lot of All NBA, six-time All Star, and I'll tell you how many All NBAs. He stuck into that
1: center slot
0: quite often. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Six-time All We. That is five All NBAs, uh, for the Damn. team. One first team, and he was All Rookie first team as well. He was Rookie of the Year, uh, and five times received shares of the MVP vote. What do you think Amari Stoudemire's Hall of Fame probability is? I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking high.
1: I mean, I, like, I realize there was a lot of injuries that might have like hampered things, but, I mean, five all-NBAs, I mean, that's, that's a strong peak and still pretty good production in New York. A lot of winning teams. Uh, I'm going to put them at, uh,
0: say, 86%. Okay, so that's a little high, and, and I do think Amari may be the highest – of the list here that I chose, he's at seventy-two point nine percent. All right, all right. And very interesting. In two thousand four and five, he was he led the league in offensive win chairs, which is pretty impressive, I think. Um, all right, so that, that that's kind of a baseline setter here. Oddly, his similarity <laughs> scores have him compared to Grant Hill, Tracy McGrady, Elgin Baylor, Kevin Love, Elton Brand. Uh, who are who are basically hall of famers themselves? Besides Brand, are are hall of famers? So that's pretty good. So it's, it's a wide variety of players. Yep, yeah. a, a lot of injury guys there. All right, let's move to another. Once Nick, uh, Derek Rose. Derek Rose. Okay. So a bit of a. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm skeptical, but I'll I'll let you uh, take the floor here. Read read us through it. All right. My computer unfreezes for a second. This will be very helpful. Yeah, I guess there's
1: never been an MVP. I think that's uh, not made it. So, yeah, I think that's kind of like his uh,
0: his little asterisk yeah. next to him. He has made only three all-star teams. Um, He's been all league. Give me a second here. It's freezing up on me. <laughs>
1: what was the... Uh- I guess it's not on Basketball Reference, but uh, what what did he do that was hard? Ho- what did he, him and and one of his bros like right to girl? What did they What did they do? Yeah. It was like a horrible story. Yes, that's exactly it. That was definitely it. Yeah, that was like very like very screamy shit. It was. Uh,
0: uh, he was Derrick Rose was the rookie of the year. Uh, two years later, he was the MVP. That was his only season that he was All NBA and he was All NBA first team. Um. Five time or uh, let's see, two-time player of the month, three All-Star games. Uh, let's see, anything else? Uh,
1: what's like his like what's his like uh, career points for the game stuff like that? I feel like he's, had, he's put up some numbers. That's like one thing he has going for him. Like I feel like in the last like four years or so, like with the Knicks, with the Wolves, maybe the Pistons. Certainly, he scored some points. Um,
0: what well, in Chicago he was nineteen point seven a game with the Knicks in his one season he was 18 a game uh, for, so for his career he's 18.8 points a game his assists are pretty low for a point guard 5.6 uh to 2.6 turnovers uh not too much on the defensive stats 3.4 yeah his shooting percentage for his career is 45.6 30% from 3 <clears throat> yeah i i feel
1: like All right, I'm going to try and like skew, I guess, just because I feel like with with the MVP season, maybe they give him a little more credit. Um, I'll put him at 27%. Prior to your skewing, what did you have, Matt? Prior to my skewing, I'd probably throw him at like 14%.
0: That that one's a lot closer. They have him at 11.9%. Huh. 100%. His priority no, no. scores are like guys that I've never heard of before. It's pretty bad. Um, just because his win shares, his best season is 13.1, and then he drops down to six. It's it's bizarre. Damn. Yeah. Oh, he has so many injuries. Wait, I have mean, yeah, Six, just... five, then down to three, three. Uh, and he has, he has two seasons out of his 11 that are in the negatives. So weird career for Derek Rose. All right, let's.
1: Move. Yeah, I kind of want him to get on a good team. Like, I'd be cur- Like, I feel like, you know, like an off the bench, like, spark plug.
0: Like, he could definitely do that. It would be fun. Yep. So, if, if Derek Rose is like the, the long or the, the short peak guy, I'm going to give you a guy that's kind of like the opposite of him Joe Johnson. Long career. Ooh. 16 years in the league. Uh, kind of always on, always on the fringe of like being a star. But not really. Here's some nicknames for him. You've heard Iso Joe. Have you heard Joe Cool? Uh, I do not. Sounds appropriate, though. Have you heard Big Shot Joe? Big Shot Joe. Uh, no, I have not. Just kind of lazy it. Uh, agreed. And, and here's one that I actually love and I've never heard in my life. Armadillo Cowboy. <laughs> Cowboy. <laughs> that, did I have like, likes to explain those at no. all? I wish. Really like I, I wish. Yeah. I wish. Uh, for his career across his uh, 16 seasons, 16 points a game, uh, four rebounds, 3.9 assists, only 1.9 turnovers, uh, 44% from the four 37% from three. Uh, yeah, so – and he has one, two, three, four, seven All Star appearances, which is one more than Amari Statemeyer. I think all of them came. Yes, all of them came in the Eastern Conference. Could you give me a?
1: I don't know if it's there, but like I'd be curious, like all time scoring, uh, like ranking. Yep, give me. A, I feel like that could be like, uh, like an area that he like. He is forty-four. He's
0: forty-fourth in in career scoring in the NBA with twenty thousand four hundred five. 20,000. Okay. Yeah. Ah, it's, he's also a little more surprising. He's 66th in career assists with 5,001. Hmm. 66. Yeah, that's pretty good. I wouldn't expect that many. He was an all rookie second team, all NBA third team in 2009, 10 twice. He received shares of the, but very small shares of the MVP award. Probably just a local journalist. He's had a he's had a strange career. Like it's not like he wasn't on good teams. Like
1: I mean, he made the playoffs like all the time. But well,
0: those Hawks teams were like the epitome of mediocre.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they, was he on that one team that was like the one seed?
0: I forget. E- uh, yes, I believe so. I
1: Guess he was. I don't know who else would have been there. I guess they had like Jet Teague and Warford and uh, Millsap. <laughs> but yeah, and Quarter obviously. Um, okay, uh, you know, like. Obviously, I feel like if he had, like, playoff success, like, he would, like, be pushing, like, getting in there. But, like, without the playoff accolades and, like, like, he's not really, like, a stack guy either. Like, he he scores, but, like, he's not big on the steals, not big on the assists, even though, like, he's racked up a lot over his career. Not good on the shooting. Uh, maybe better shooting percentage. Uh, I'll
0: put him at 36%. So just for the record, he had 13, 13 of his 16 seasons he was in the playoffs. Hmm. Uh, guess he of course, some of that was at the end of his wow. career with Utah and Houston uh, and Miami, but not too bad. Uh, he's at 50.6%. Okay, that's a good one. Good one. His good good choice. comparisons are Michael Finley- Dennis Johnson, Rod Strickland, Mark Jackson, Kyle Korver. Uh, Kyle Corver, not an all-star, not going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Michael, sure. Michael Finley is a very interesting one because Finley was on more winning teams, but I feel like a similar role where they were kind of like no one knew how to classify them. They were like more than the average player, but less than a, a true star. But uh, his numbers may just get him in especially since he kind of has that reputation of like a player's player.
1: Yeah. Well, let me know what big
0: three stats start the cap of the hall of fame. <laughs> and then, uh, that we might be in business. All right. So if he's the player's player, we're going to go to the opposite of that here. A guy that's been pretty much disrespected more than any, like, by his peers, more than anyone except for like maybe Steph Curry. We're going to go with Blake Griffin here. Another guy like Derek Rose, a lot of injuries, um, Oh, good. Refresh on me. Nice. Uh Guy is a wow. six-time All-Star. He has been All-NBA five times. All second and third team. He was Rookie of the Year and he received MVP award chairs three times. One time he was the third place guy in 2013-14. Hmm.
1: He's an... He's an interesting case. I mean, he definitely has some like some, some similar uh, similar career to Amari Stoudemire. Right? What so do
0: you like, think his career scoring is and rebounds? Because it, it's more impressive than I would have thought.
1: I mean, well, based on you saying that, I'm, I guess I'm going to aim high into rebounding. I, I would have because I, I think in the early go he like, had some like huge seasons. So I guess before DeAndre came, um, I'll say.
0: rebounds and uh, 23 points. Uh, Those are a little high, but 21.7 points and uh, 8.8 rebounds. Uh, 4.4 assists for a big man is pretty great. 2.6 turnovers shot. Just he's shot just a smidge under 50%. Um, 33% from three, which is I think pretty good for his era. Um, yeah, he's, early, he, he's kind of like Shaq where his early seasons like were like dominant, dominant. Like the, his rookie year was his best, uh, except for his last second or last Detroit season. He was 22.5 points a game, 12.1 rebounds, 3.8 assists. Uh, pretty incredible for a rookie, uh, even if he's kind of in his second year as a rookie. But, I mean, he's basically a junior year of college age. Um, yeah, so uh, he's an impressive guy. If not for injuries, I think we'd be talking about a guy that's an absolute shoe in for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say
1: very, very impressive his ability to adapt throughout the course of his career. Because I mean, he came into the league obviously as like a high flyer, and he developed a passing game. Now he has a three point shot. Like he's uh, he's definitely found a way to uh, enhance his skill set despite his, the, his body's declining athleticism. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate at this point. Like he's like one of, he's like a, one of those like old men in fantasy drafts now, where you know he's always ranked too high in Yahoo, like at like 50th, and we watch him slide to 80th until Dank auto picks him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a
0: it's been a sad fall from grace for Blake. Uh, Sorry. One, one more. Still though, stat, the stats are. Great. One more interesting stat. He's 37th all time in career PER which is generally stop playing now. the best advanced stat for like how good you actually are. Now, PR has its flaws, but... Uh,
1: all right, let me give it... I'll put him at 61%.
0: He's at 54.8%. So like to me, he should be much more of a shoe-in than Joe Johnson, right? But it's only a 5% difference.
1: Yeah, it's... I guess I guess they skew towards their like long term, uh,
0: like good, rather than being great. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, I guess yeah. Like he's only played eleven. Se- like to me, if he gets to sixteen, like if he, if he plays five more seasons and he's decently healthy, like I, I mean, I guess that number goes up. But it's gonna. Hurt, I guess it's gonna hurt that like during his no chance in, he's playing that many more seasons. Yeah, during his prime age, like he never really advanced like the same as Chris, like Chris Paul is that I, I checked Chris Paul's hundred percent probability of in, um, but like same thing. He, he never had the playoff success and especially if he kind of dwindles in Detroit, it's going to be difficult. He needs to kind of get out of that situation. I think. Yeah.
1: He's very injured. So I don't, I mean, in Detroit, he gets a lot of stats, but I, I think his career is pretty shot. I don't know. Maybe I'd like to see him sign up a good team, to be honest. and I'll just try to chase a championship at this point. But, uh, but you probably right hurt his halt in case. So I don't know. I don't know. They
0: helped Ray the Allen. Case, so. All right. I have, one, I have one more. I think it's maybe one of the least interesting ones of them. But Al Horford, another guy on those Atlanta teams, um, for much of his career, kind of considered like one of the better up-and-coming centers until he was no longer up-and-coming. But then he was considered, like a really good vet. Uh, his scoring numbers are not like what you think of, of a star. He's 13.9 for his career. 8.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 52% from the four, 36% from three. Uh there's a, a very solid all-around player. Um he's been in the league. Any for, uh any defensive teams? Let me see. In the league for 13 seasons. Uh okay, sorry. Five time All Star. Hmm. He was all NBA third-team once. He was all-defensive team in 2017-2018. That was all-defense second-team. Yeah. Uh, I don't see this one happening. Just uh,
1: He's a defense stats, darling. I mean, I don't think best offense can really uh, appreciate how good Al Horford was at his prime. That's fair.
0: Give me a guess, here. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the stats are good. I mean, I'll give you... Uh, Thirty-eight percent. Oh, way lower. Twelve point two percent. Wow. 12.2%. So he's so much for that big man boost that you're talking about. He's like Derek. Derek Rosewell. That's surprising. Yeah. I mean, You
1: think five All Star appearances? That you know. That's like eh, it's a sign of respect from the uh, the
0: coaches out there and the
1: fans. But
0: hmm. I don't know. He, he's he fell off fast this season. It's even so weirder when you look at his similarity scores. They compare him to Marcus Hol and Hall of Famer. Alonzo Mourning, Hall of Famer, I believe. Dikembe Mutombo, Hall of Famer. Bill Beer Hall of Famer. Tyson Chandler, I, I imagine not a Hall of Famer. Nah. Divac, probably a Hall of Famer, more for his international career. Uh, Jack Sigma, I'm not sure if he's a Hall of Famer. I'm going to look that up. Robert Parrish, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Wes Unseld, who I also believe is a Hall of Famer. So he's similar to all these Hall of Famers. Maybe he's just born in the wrong era. I mean,
1: I, I, I'd be curious who the lowest point scorer is on the Hall of Fame list. I mean, what did you say, Horford's Horford? Not. 13.9. I mean, you can't get much lower than 13.9 and make the Hall of Fame, right? Like, yeah.
0: You
1: know. uh, I don't know. It's like uh, the
0: Iguodala case. Sorry if I'm spoiling your play. I don't know how this works. So Sigma is an eighty seven percent Hall of Fame probability. I don't know if he's in or not, but this is eighty-seven percent. Damn. Weird.
1: Yeah. Marcus, Marcus was interesting. I don't know if I don't know if he's for sure Hall of Famer. He's
0: a. he'd be an interesting one, but another podcast we could discuss that. He's gonna get killed by not winning the um, defensive player of the year the amount of times that he should have.
1: Well, yeah, I'd be curious how many defensive teams he's been on. He's probably been on four or
0: five, I guess, but well, I'm pulling this up. I
1: feel like he was, I feel like he came into the league a little late. Maybe like, I feel like his peak was not that long. He was like, maybe it was he,
0: like, he only made one all defense team. Cause his block, well, he, he was kind of the, the guy that they, people started reevaluating how you, how you evaluate defensive player of the year. That it wasn't just about block shots for a big man. It was about how you organize a defense. But he only won that one deep defensive player of the year. And that year, he was all defensive, second team. Is that the second star? Hmm.
1: Who won Go- it? What did Gobert take it? Or Dwight, I guess? It was 2012, know.
0: 2013. So it's probably. Uh, could have been Dwight. Could have been. I got to think about who was around that. Ka- Kawhi, maybe? Uh-huh. No, at center in
1: t- 2012, 2013.
0: Oh, was, oh sorry, that's right. Sorry. And then he was All-NBA all that season. He was All-NBA second team and All-NBA first team another time. Could have been the Andre season. <laughs> it, oh, wow. Marcus Hall is a 4.2% Hall of Fame probability. So you're telling Al Horford <laughs> has a higher probability than Marcus Hall. I, I don't think that's, a, that's so crazy. Marcus Hall only a three. I agree with you. Marcus Hall is better,
1: but uh, certainly at his peak. I'd have, to, I'd have to see the careers lined up. Uh,
0: hmm. How long was Marcus peak? Like, I mean, how many years what in was Memphis it? is he at All Star? Two, by the way. What's that? Marcus has a championship also with the Raptors. True, I know he has, he has a championship.
1: But do you have the stats up? How many like how many All Stars does he have?
0: Only three. Yeah, like a plan. Like I said, the peak wasn't long enough. I, mean, I think he may not have gotten his due long enough. That I think that's the problem. He was he he wasn't evaluated properly until uh, later well, on. I mean, well, well, Conley still hasn't made an All Star team, right? I
1: feel like he's. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to at this point. So yeah. like that's always been his shtick. So that whole team, I mean, yeah. Hmm. Very weird. Fun team. Fun team.
0: All right, should we? Uh, should should we keep moving forward? Yeah, I let's, guess, uh, let's be done with basketball. Let's let's get to some more. Yeah. All right. I guess I haven't uh,
1: given our official IP address. Uh, welcome to uh, to baby Joey yet? So I. Oh, have to uh, sh- share my congratulations. I know I'm uh, sometimes a leader of the anti-baby brigade, but uh, <laughs> I am happy for you guys. And, you know, adorable child. And, you know, I just hope it doesn't a uh, up on our, our league activities. Uh, you know, we have a good thing going here, you know. And I hope she's uh, ready to inherit the team in, you know, five or ten years, you know, and you can finally pass on to your twilight.
0: Well, look, you know, hopefully uh, she'll keep waking up at, like, three in the morning or whatever and, uh, you know, so, timer cries for three in the morning. I'll make sure to line up her, her sleep schedule that way, uh, so you get the edge drops going. Yeah, that's simple. Yeah, you could start doing some
1: solo pods, you know, in the, in the twilight hours. You know, just give some people, drop some knowledge on people. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it could be good. I imagine there's, other, there's a lot of other babies coming in the league, right? So you know, it's. Uh, I have to. Th- I have to think about it for our next podcast, but we'll have to discuss some league names. You know, uh, it might be time. I don't know how many more big boy years we can have at this point.
0: Hmm. Well, I've always been a proponent that we're still big boys, as opposed to the college years when we we're no longer in college. Uh, and you know, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to me, to me, I'm I'm good keeping the name. If, if it comes to a point where we are all you know parents or whatever, then maybe you make the switch. But that's a long time coming, a long time from now.
1: All right. All right I got you. All right. Let's 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 use this as like a good like. Uh, di- diary moment in your life. Uh, how, how we we it? like three weeks into the process, right? What's it been four weeks,
0: three so, weeks? So right now the real anxiety is that uh, our baby nurse leaves on Friday. So shit's about to get real <laughs> uh, for us because it's, it's been excellent so far. We're, just, we're home. Like, you know, if we need to do something, we kind of hand her over. If not, like we get, get our cuddles in and you know, all that stuff. Uh, I think we're learning a lot. I think, it's been good because we kind of get our sleep under us while we're learning how to do things. And then when she leaves, like, we'll, we'll lose some sleep, but we kind of know what we're doing a little bit now. So she's doing really well. We had her, her month doctor's appointment today, and uh, she's like 65th percentile in weight, 50-something percentile in height. Wow. And 19th percentile in head, which is interesting. No, no thanks no. to you. Yeah, 65, 58 percentile. Well, um. I was, so I was saying this earlier. While I was premature, I eventually became, like, a very fat Toddler, like slash baby, so um, it's possible. Like you know, you just get fat as a baby and then you, you, you slim out. So I, I don't think she'll be in the 50th percentile for height forever. So uh, just my my thought between the two of us, yeah, Amy at five two, me at five five. I don't think that's gonna stick. So
1: I feel like it's uh, I don't know, it could be a good opportunity for her to. Well, actually, I don't know. Do you think it's bad for the basketball development if like she develops the low post skills early on and not the uh not the handles when she's still in her uh, early years in life?
0: I think it's okay to develop the the low post skills as long as it's not like the levy low post skills where it's just like, hey, tall kid, go into the basket and like catch the ball, jump and throw it up there. You actually like can teach some some footwork and you know, that's pretty good. But well, there's always that balance, right? Cause like you have someone like Lee Kaplan who I remember at some point started like running around the perimeter and trying to like shoot threes and, no and hindsight, like, yeah, it made sense. Cause he, he stopped growing. Right. And he, he was only like six foot, six foot one. So it would have been good for him to develop perimeter skills. But, uh, no matter, no matter what size you are, I think you just got to learn the, the fundamentals of the game. You got to learn how to dribble, pass and shoot. I think I personally think shooting comes later for most people because, uh, You know, you develop a lot of bad habits when you're younger shooting. Even I've heard JJ Redick say that, like that he was always a good shooter, but like his form changed through the years. So I think you need to learn how to. Like most people can't learn how to dribble after they're like 12 years old. I've come to realize Um, you just like can't develop the skill. So I think you gotta learn to dribble first. I think passing. If you learn the fundamental passing, and you have vision, you'll learn how to pass. Uh, And if you want to be a willing passer, you can become a willing passer. And then once you can do those things it opens up the, the shot once you you know start hitting your shots you open up everything else and you go from there. That's my, my personal developmental philosophy.
1: okay I'm glad you've already organized her for uh, basketball education in the, uh, the coming years you know when you once you need to learn how to rebound and everything you give me a call and I'm happy to uh,
0: give some pointers or whatnot'll well, definitely need the offensive rebounding skill from you that, that's that's one to be taught. What I do find interesting, I was looking at a lot maybe like a year or two ago. I was curious, and I was looking at like the, the NBA's developmental like policies, and basically they don't want anyone under like like I think it was under like sixth grade. You're not allowed to play zone, which like, totally flips the fast break mentality upside down. No zone defense, and you're not allowed to st- try to steal the ball. Like if, if I think it's like the ball's like thrown into a passing lane, you may be able to steal it, but like you're not allowed to try to strip the ball angler. Is that just
1: to like encourage like learning how to play defense, like natural
0: it's, defense? It's I think it's it's also encouraging teaching like most kids aren't good dribblers early on, so it's yeah. and then like well, it's kinda of like it's like the fast
1: break to the next level, you know, like no no full court press was so always well, like the rule until, like sixth grade, right?
0: Well and then Oh look, is that then it becomes like how youth soccer is taught in this country where it's like the kids like literally the best thing you could do is just kick, boot the ball one side of the field and like huddle up in that area and steal the ball and get like get it close to goal that way. Yeah. Basketball at that age would would become like if you could press, you just steal the ball down near the other person's hoop and and put it up. Santa, yeah, not well, no, triple yeah. so that, so you could actually get into like somewhat of an offense and like pass the ball a few times uh, without having to worry about someone stealing it. Yeah, I don't know. It makes sense.
1: It also is just like you know if you, uh, assuming you're playing with like all skill levels then just the best kids dominate the ball, whether it's soccer or in basketball and, or, or, or you have like a Russell Dubov, like Jay's heart type who, you know, just like runs the isolation offense, no matter what options are available. So yeah, it's not, it's not the best for youth development. Yeah, I get that.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I thought, I thought all right. that- um, all right, let us keep moving. Uh, we, we have some other, some other babies to acknowledge. Um, I still have not heard anything. Do you have uh, any intel on the baby girl Smilett's, uh
0: name at this time? I haven't heard anything yet. Um, I'm going to text Andrew right now and ask him if he wants to break the, the break the news on the podcast here. So, ah, you keep- okay. Text him right now. That's fair. Okay,
1: yeah, you. All right, while you while you give him a call, and yeah, we could uh, have some, the first IP address breaking news. This is a real big step for the podcast
0: as we let's see, let's kind of enter the breaking news. Want, I, just, I just texted him if you want to break the name on the podcast. Now's the time. We'll see if he gets back to me <laughs> next five minutes. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hope Anchor actually can let a third person join a call if, to make that happen. Well, um, I think I know where the uh, button's I'm not positive, but you know not on the call, and maybe he'll give me the name. And we could we could break the news here. Give we'll, we'll definitely boost up our uh, our listens mm-hmm. here.
1: Oh yeah, definitely definitely get Mrs. Smile.
0: It's on the on the
1: line, at least. That's one more hit to the podcast listeners. Yeah. So I mean, so like, we can make some predictions before the news might get broken. I mean, I think are, are we both mm-hmm. thinking it's going to be a D? Is that the is that where we're landing right now? All
0: right. Well, hold on. I, I got I got initials from Andrew, and I, well, I, I figured the first one. It's DPS. Um, so my, my My guess even prior to this, I was I was gonna guess Daisy, because uh, I knew that he. I would imagine he wanted a D for his dad, um, and Daisy happens to be the name of a literary character, an uh, American lit from Great Gatsby. Uh, given a Holden's name is uh Holden is a literary name as well. I was thinking yeah. that'd be good thematically. Yeah, I was thinking.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, Drake came to the top of mind, but that already got claimed, I think, by uh, you know, Aaron and Sam's child. So uh, for the the middle name, I was thinking maybe like something like I don't know, like maybe like a Dahlia. Um, like I'm not picturing like a basic thing like like Danielle, uh, like. I hope it's not Daphne. That'd be rough. I don't like that. that, that that's just, yeah, not not a good name.
0: You go, you uh, could go the Daphne route, like Elon's sister. Daphne,
1: D- Daphne has some spunk to it, you know. It's kind of.
0: I don't think they're. It's it, it's I don't think they're going to go with that name, given the the tension between those families at this point. So. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I didn't realize there was ch- there was tension there oh. the, around the neighborhood. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe we get this after the Maybe we can get that some
0: uh, so, so do you have a guess Never heard
1: of insider access? Do you have a, my guess? Uh like, like like Dahlia comes to mind. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I was thinking. Is
0: Dahlia, Daria, uh, yeah, Delilah. Um, hmm. Yeah,
1: I think those are our top contenders right now. Um, Dasha is this russian yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> uh daisy does have daisy has some like i feel like it has like a, maybe like some old-fashioned connection to Holden also so I, I could i could see it going that direction although i'm excited to hear the story of how the name has come to this uh d- debate element you know Yeah, has well, so gotta be a good tale of that
0: yeah I, it's funny you say that i feel the same way i think we're gonna have to get andrew drunk one day and have him tell the story and uh and, and see what really went down here and then we'll compare and confess that to what they actually tell people, why it took so long.
1: <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, so today, hopefully we can document the real story or the, fa- the, the public story and I'll we'll get the private breaking news in the podcast.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Um, all right. So I guess we're, gonna be, we're
0: on standby to
1: see if Andrew actually joins no, us. He, to,
0: uh... He's not going to join us. He said uh, I, I gave him my guest and he said he won't even give me an affirmative. It makes it more fun. So I guess I'll text everyone like tomorrow and we'll find out. So no breaking news tonight. But know what? Look, I'm, I'm going to tease, sure. tease, tease it in the description so that people think they're getting information uh, on here. So that'll be fun.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good. It's good marketing. Um, okay. Uh, what else do we have now? Also, oh, ha- are, are you expecting your fantasy game to pick up now that you've uh, entered
0: Parenthood? I mean, just tell do you me this just think this is going to be, be a plus call. or a minus? I think it'll be a plus. I'll be, I'll be awake more often in the middle of the night. Uh, I think it's going to be a positive. Okay. You,
1: you, you, you think you can handle both responsibilities? I uh, think so. Of a child and, and making roster moves? I, I, mean, I know you've had a lot of mobile issues in the past. The
0: app's been kind of your, uh, your main enemy in this league for the last three or four seasons. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I think I've gotten it down to enough of a science. I figured out how the waivers lie to me, and uh, I think I got it down now
1: all right all right happy to hear that uh i will say i think the league we're probably looking at what like a january return maybe christmas if we're lucky I'm thinking, if I, uh, I
0: think christmas is still going to happen
1: i hope so christmas would be pretty sweet because you know the playoffs will end in october and then that just means like a month or two of no no sports time so oh no not so bad
0: not too bad um
1: there. And, and what's going to be your availability for, for future uh occasions? Are you uh, have you
0: retired, hung up your cap? Uh, you know, well, Are you a
1: one wine glass
0: a night kind of guy from here on out? I, I don't think I've retired. I think, um, especially as she gets older, and I don't think we're going to be having any real saftavas for quite some time. Uh, once she's older, it'll be easier for like like I'm sure Amy will be very happy to spend the day with her by herself. So. I, uh, still alive, man. Still alive. Don't call it. You know, I'm not closing up closing up shop yet.
1: Okay, so all right. So uh, you think you could like you could drink, get your nap in, and still go home all one day, all once after
0: Yeah. I'm sure. Like you're wow. controlling okay. me, like and i be like Ira. Like you're the only one as drunk as mm-hmm. you are. I'm like I like, always like. So I think it'll be fine. Okay, oh, I hope so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll have to figure out when it's uh you know safe to safe to come back into the uh, a nice apartment to have a good old softball
0: action. I really am craving like a like an, even more than a softball. I'm really craving like a binge eating day. Like I feel like we, we've missed out on like group eating activities, uh, like a bees trip. Really necessary right now. So uh, hopefully hopefully things get back to normal soonish. <sighs>
1: we could uh. Yeah, we should try and research the landscape. I don't know. You can find like an 11 a.m. beast to head up and, uh, you know, outdoor seating or something in a corner. I don't know. But uh, it is all long overdue. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like the, the unhealthiness really hasn't hit me. I feel like if anything, I'm cu- I've cut back on my fast food over this stretch. So
0: Yeah, especially the last month. Uh, Very well, for the most part. Not a lot of takeout or anything. So it's a bummer.
1: Yeah, so it's true. A, a, a kid does change you. Who knows?
0: All right. Uh,
1: what else have we got? I mean, the only I think the only life event on the horizon right now is uh, I mean, there's the potential hike coming up, which I find to be uh, I, I'm I'm ex- I think I'm gonna have to miss it, unfortunately. But I was excited to see what kind of a scheming Levy could have on a hike event, and it seems like a a, a classic uh, Levy yeah, planning occasion. What's happening?
0: This now, I thought the date was available for you.
1: The date was available, but I, I I got a conflict. I have a I have we were supposed to go visit Leanna's grandmother, and I I failed to check my calendar before confirming those plans.
0: Oh yeah, that's not I good.
1: have to meet. Yeah, so I have to meet with like a I have to meet to review some finances with somebody on this upcoming Saturday, which sports the grandma visit to next Saturday. And the grandma just bought me a great coffee maker for an engagement present. So, I mean, I can't just, uh, you know, I can't just keep ghosting her like that. So, yeah, yeah, th- things are getting complicated.
0: Well, I, right. I'm
1: I'm an ambitious hiker. So,
0: I will be, far for the best, I'm not there. I will be going to that high I So, Saptive is not dead for me. I, I see it's dead for you. Uh, I guess engagement has changed you, as we know. Um, <laughs> I, I have me in my comment, you know, I think that. Scott is doing the food shopping, he needs supervision and, and a few elephant tranquilizers. Because I, I, don't, I still don't trust his, his food shopping for any of these trips. He always overbuys. But let's wrap this podcast up on the topic everyone wants to know. What did you think of the Mulan movie? All right. Well, can, can I spoil now? I think Justin was, was bitching and saying he was going to get the movie in December. Okay. So uh, Scott, he- turn the podcast off now. We, we made it a whole time without saying anything mean about you. Which is pretty good for us. So, turn it off now. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Podcast record, no doubt. I can't believe
1: we went the whole podcast without even complaining by Monst- Justin once.
0: Sponsors didn't come through this, this week, so.
1: <laughs> All right. I, Look, I knew going into the movie that there was not going to be any music. Which, like, is already just a bad start. Because, like, why would you recommission a Disney movie and not have any songs in it? You're, like, you're, you're just asking for trouble. You know, like, like, your whole market is Disney people. And to not have a song ruins your Disney market. And, like, who's your new market going to be? The Chinese? They're going to come see your movie now? Like, I don't know. It seems like a, a bit of a sellout mentality from the get-go. <sighs> then, uh, and, and then they, they just decided to intermingle these characters. I mean, I don't know. They tried to, they decided that, uh, ugh, God. it's like the feng shui. Like, like Chinese, like qi. Chi. Is now a thing like we're watching a dragon ball z movie but like 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 chi like that, like they didn't even like explain it like they went to like chinese mysticism without really giving you a capital m on mysticism you're just completely lost the whole military training has no momentum they combined the the love interest with another, with, like, a soldier comrade, so it's no longer her commander, because apparently you can't have, like, your commander being a love interest. That's, like, you know, it's, like, canceled. I guess it's, like, you know, two-piece PC, you know. Um, so, like, the whole thing got messed, just got messed up. And then they tried to make it, like, a woman's rights movie, which, like, hey, I'm all for women's rights, obviously. No issues there. But, like, they introduced a witch as, like, the protagonist slash, like, I'm going to become a good guy like you and show the third way for women's rights while following the Chinese leader's orders and the witch who could be a giant fleet of bats or bird like crows to attack the army and stop in its tracks. She decided to be a raven, like just a raven and got shot by an arrow and died. You could be a fucking hundred crow army and you're going to turned into a raven? Like to intercept an arrow? Like, like what's the logic? There's no logic, so like th- they did some good things with the father-daughter relationship, the home village, a very cool circular design. You have to see it to understand. But so on all, all like like they, they had some ideas, but just like they had a lot of a lot of failures. I, I re- definitely definitely a miss. Skip it if you want to watch for free in three months at Disney Plus. Do as you will with your you, children. You.
0: But Like yeah. The live-action Disney movies. Well, what was that about the live-action Disney movies? Do you have a ranking at this point of the live-action movie uh, Disney movies that have been released? Uh, I don't have a ranking, but I will
1: say my number one is Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I, maybe, I, maybe I have some Harry Potter bias there, but uh, it really hit the uh, the magical, whimsical elements that you need to have in these movies. It had the they should. I think it's probably you probably need to go like seventy-five percent stick to original script, twenty-five percent adapt because it's you know live action. Whatever. It's been twenty years. You want to get a little more modern with it. But uh, that movie hit the songs, had the right character elements, like the like the, the small town at the beginning. Like it's it's the kind of it's the kind of vibe you want.
0: The, they the just hit all known the marks. Yes, pub scene really hits just like it does in the, in the original.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, Gaston, I think, was, like, a really great character, just, like, very easy to translate to, like, live action, and, like, you could pull it off, no problem. It was, it was, for that, that that one was the strongest one. Um, I had to give rewatch The Jungle Book, that one's highly acclaimed. Um, I think I watched it on the airplane,
0: which is, like, not the way most you know. playing movies I enjoy, but, like, it's hard to really appreciate it properly. Um, if there's any darkness, it's hard to watch it on the airplane, you know? And that movie, I imagine, has a lot of dark scenes.
1: Yeah, you know, I
0: was get a little twisted.
1: Like I didn't hit the Lion King. Lion King was like solid. I think as you grow up with the Lion King, you kinda like it loses its like greatness, in my opinion. Like it's it's obviously it has the whole Ham Hamilton connections, but like it's got some good like it has great songs, great concepts, but like eh, just like the story itself isn't like isn't the greatest thing since, you know, sliced bread. So solid, but doesn't blow me away. Aladdin was uh, It was weird, like everyone says it is, but acceptable. Acceptable. Like Will Smith as a Genie was fine. I wasn't like, offended by his, uh <laughs> his, like, too human, like, genie appearance, like some people were. All right. The, the, we should probably just say this for a list in the future. We'll, we'll bring it back in a year or make, make it, like, Patreon content. I
0: don't know. Do what you want. What mo- they plan on ruining next? What movie should I ruin next? No, what movie are they ruining next? Disney.
1: Uh ooh, it's a, I think a good one. Uh, let me check. Disney Live action. Something good was coming. Um uh upcoming. Oh Peter Pan, I think. The little I Mermaid. Am, little oh geez, that's gonna be stupid. Uh, actually I think Coil of the might be the next one. That one that one has potential. It's gonna be dark. I think like Venom <laughs> be- and Spider-Man. Um it's like gonna be the downfall of Coeldeville. So like she's gonna start like start normal and become like you know, oh, origin story. Yeah, yeah like a, yeah, like Dalmatian skin snatcher. Like we'll be like the conclusion of the tale. So that, uh, that always it's it's an interesting
0: thing. term. That always has a different perspective. That could be interesting. I, I also like Beauty and the Beast a lot. Uh Lion King, they tried too hard to do stuff with it, but it was it was good. Um but yeah, uh, I'm not that into these movies. There's not really much purpose for them, in my opinion. Be- Beauty and the Beast will hold up, I think, over time. I think it's pr- maybe better than the animated version, um, which is the only one I'll say that about. But uh, okay, let's let's let end it here. We did pretty pretty solid time here, an hour twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, no, good. Glad po-
1: to be back. We should probably. Uh... I don't know, if we get here on November 4th or something, right after the election, you know, could be a good time to uh, have a debriefing. Um, But in the meantime, I know you're not a Disney guy, so you can consult with me about when Joey needs to go to Disney World.
0: I can handle that first trip. Uh, That's not going to be until she's like walking and uh, it's going to be tough. But hopefully if we do one around November 4th, uh, it will not be like the day after that the trade massacre two years ago. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, it'll be (laughs) better spirits than
1: that. I guess I I I should say it's like it's election week, right? You know, uh, disclaimer: November third won't be the actual results. So, yeah, we'll leave it there. Like any good fantasy trade, it gets complicated real fast.
0: Uh, We'll do that, guys. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned for uh, more fun the next few months here.